Welcome, friends. This is the Underground Writing Podcast for the week of December 3rd, 2018. I'm Matt Mallion, Director of Underground Writing, a program offering creative writing workshops in at-risk community settings. And I'm Alvin Shim, producer for the Underground Writing Podcast. On our bi-weekly podcast, we read and discuss a piece of writing by an Underground Writing student and briefly update listeners about what's happening in the program as a whole. Because we're a creative writing program serving at-risk populations, we do not mention students by name. We hope you enjoy this edition of the podcast. We work in places in which people have been speaking but not heard, thus resulting in voices forced underground. Today we'll hear from one of these voices, a student at our site in juvenile detention. The poem I'll read today is called I Am Offering This Poem. I am offering this poem to you since I have nothing else to give. Remember it like you would your first kiss or like a present that money can't buy. Wondering when it's my time to die, looking at white walls all day, walking in a single file line, hands behind my back, wishing I could go back. Red doors, never again. I ain't coming back no more. Only 16 with a lot to see. This poem was written in response to a poem by the poet Jimmy Santiago Baca, uh, who also uh, gratefully is part of our advisory board. And we brought in his poem uh, of the same title called I Am Offering This Poem. We had the students read it. And then we talked about, you know, even if you're locked down, and in, in this case, uh, at our juvenile detention site, there's a literal locking down. But we've, we've done the prompt at other sites, too, and it, it can be a more figurative, uh, metaphorical confinement in, in a place in life. Even if that's the case, what can you offer? So I think there's, there's different things that could come out of that. One of the things is you could write a poem, and that could be an offering that you give someone, whether it's a specific person or more in general. So I'm, gonna read the, I'm also going to read the Jimmy Santiago Baca poem. And um, and we'll talk a little about that. I'm offering this poem. I'm offering this poem to you since I have nothing else to give. Keep it like a warm coat when winter comes to cover you or like a pair of thick socks the cold cannot bite through. I love you. I have nothing else to give you, so it is a pot full of yellow corn to warm your belly in the winter. It is a scarf for your head to wear over your hair, to tie up around your face. I love you. Keep it. Treasure it as you would if you were lost, needing direction. In the wilderness, life becomes when mature. And in the corner of your drawer, tucked away like a cabin or a hogan in dense trees, come knocking, and I will answer, give you directions, and let you warm yourself by this fire. Rest by this fire and make you feel safe. I love you. It's all I have to give, and it's all anyone needs to live, and to go on living inside when the world outside no longer cares if you live or die. Remember, I love you. One of the things I thought about with this poem, I am offering this poem, uh, the title, was uh, the fact that it's an offering, a giving out, 
uh, of this poem, but it's also, it's a, it's a request, I think, in, in a way. And I, I've been thinking about, you know, once in a while I like to introduce uh, terminology onto the uh, podcast here. And it reminded me of um, a term that's often used on the inside called kite. And what is a kite? Well, a kite, in very basic summary, is a written request for something. So inside lockdown facilities, kites come in a number of forms. Um, an inmate could write a kite uh, for a medical need. Uh, so requesting uh, any, you know, like ibuprofen or I injured my finger, I really need to see a doctor, could send a kite out. Uh, it could be requesting, often it'll happen for a pastoral or a chaplain visit. Someone will send a kite, they'll leave it in a book, um, and the chaplain pastor or advocate, social advocate for social services will find that kite and realize that the inmate wants to, to meet with them and then they'll arrange that. Or it could be something simple like uh, supplies for their cell, like a, a, a roll of toilet paper. Some of these things can be passed also just verbally uh, between the inmate and the guard, but sometimes if there's a full lockdown, you're not able to come out of your cell, for example, you send a kite, an actual piece of paper. Uh, so it's very that's a very common thing, um, terminology-wise, on the inside. And I got to thinking, like, this poem by this student sort of functions like a, like a kite, because not only is it offering this poem to someone in general, or maybe the student was thinking of someone specific, but it's, I think it's, a, it's like a request for something. And, and, and I see this with the anthology that we are um, releasing next month, the, the anthology called What No One Ever Tells You, that it's almost like, in, in one sense, it's like a series of kites that our students are sending out. And what are, what are they requesting? It's not a specific request that, you know, you can maybe have a, a direct line from A to B, for example, but it's, it's a requesting a response, I think, from the readers. And one thing I think it's requesting is for understanding. There's a line a student wrote once that goes like this. This is my letter to you. Do not love or hate me, but understand. So I think all the pieces in our anthology and this poem by this student entitled I Am Offering This Poem, they're not only offerings, but they're requests for our understanding. Uh, in often cases, they're requests for our hearts to be broken um, so that other things can make their way inside our hearts, whether it be compassion or empathy or these things turning to our own actions to try to solve or help things in our community along these lines. I love the imagery of, of sending out a kite and it's floating around at the mercy of the wind and it kind of darts around and you, can, you, can, you can't really control a kite. You can just kind of steer it in the way you want it to go. But if the wind dies, then it dies. Yeah. I think, I think now this, is, this could be urban um, mythology or something. I don't, but as far as I know, I think it comes from often when you're, when you're on the inside and you're sending little notes to say the, the person next to you in the cell next to you, there's often a, like you, you find some string or you find some dental floss or you find a piece of thread out of your sock yeah. and you tie it to this note and then you fling it out and try to wrap it around under the door of the other person or across the hall. It depends on the, how the cells are set up. Right. And so that, that image of the note with a string attached or a piece of dental floss attached is kind of where the kite, that term and that image came from. But I like what you're saying. Like, yeah, floating up in the wind where you don't control it, that, that will be these pieces in the anthology, right? Mm -hmm. Because we publish the book, we send it out. We never know or rarely know 
what effect they have or where they go. Mm -hmm. Like how many poets or songwriters or fiction writers, whatever, most of them don't know that Jane or John Doe somewhere up in Canada or internationally outside North America is sitting down at that moment reading their text and what effect that will have. Mm -hmm. It's this thing that's just floating out there. Can you read that poem again? Yeah. I am offering this poem. I am offering this poem to you since I have nothing else to give. Remember it like you would your first kiss or like a present that money can't buy. Wondering when it's my time to die, looking at white walls all day, walking in a single file line, hands behind my back, wishing I could go back. Red doors, never again. I ain't coming back no more. Only 16 with a lot to see. I think it's interesting how this poem starts off with humility and then it zooms into a 16-year-old who's in juvenile detention, proclaiming that he or she won't regress back into that life. So like for what it's worth, I know nobody cares about this kind of, I know nobody wants to hear my thoughts on anything as a detained individual, as a detained youth even. And even so, this is my, this is my goal and this is my motivation. That must have taken an, an incredible amount of courage for that writer to put that onto paper and then to share it with others. I don't know if they shared it in the workshop. I don't know if they know that we're talking about it right now and then that you know our listeners will hear it. But isn't isn't that maybe step 1 of transformation in the in the underground that we're hoping for? Yeah, I think taking that step of of offering something. There's a risk in that, right? When you're offering something as a as a gift, there's someone could reject it. Someone could uh say, "Oh, that that's stupid." But yeah, there's a risk in, in that. And, and they did share, I don't, know, I don't know if it was read in the actual workshop, but it was shared in the sense that we took a photocopy because we only mm-hmm. take photocopies of students that want their work um, photocopied. There's levels of offering too, right? So they offer, it, they offer it to themselves, I think, first to take that step and put it down on the paper. And then they offer it to us to take a photocopy. And then and they offer it to the world, not knowing where that will lead. Mm-hmm. And I think... As you were talking, it made me think of that these pieces and pieces we uh, write, whether that's the teaching writers and working on our own writing or whoever's writing something, when you send it out, it's almost, in some ways, it's a kite to yourself. There's a, I feel like there's an offering or request to yourself somehow when you send something out into the world that you've, that you've written. I guess it, I guess it ties in when you were saying about that the student is saying, I'm not coming back. I'm going to get out of this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. This poem could function as a kite to the student's future self when they go back and read this, you know? So there's a request in there to the self to not go back. And so if you read this later, maybe it functions that way to yourself. Like I I had a student recently tell me that this student read stuff they had written in the underground writing notebook when they first came in mm-hmm. and they were reading it now, like months later yeah. and how, and how drastic a difference they noticed about themselves and what they were writing and how they were feeling mm-hmm. and how they were thinking less than a year even. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. So I th- again, that's, that's the power of 
caring attentiveness of people, whether it be their teaching writers or this, the facility, like we've talked about before, it's a good facility where they care for the, the youth. It's the, it's the co-effect of that and actually doing some, some writing that engages the literary element and the therapeutic element all at once. What's going on in the world of underground writing? Well, as I mentioned in the last uh, episode or the, the one before, we began as a program in the summer of 2015. And spring 2017, we decided to move towards nonprofit status, become independent and become a you know, full arts nonprofit. So I'm happy to say we had our first board meeting and that occurred on November 15th, 2018. We had a great time. Thanks to our inaugural board members, Armando Reese, Brian Paxton, and Isela Martinez-Shos. And I'm very happy to say that we were founded as a nonprofit here in Washington the next day on November 16th, 2018. Currently, we are in the process of applying for our tax-exempt status, and we'll keep you posted about that. Also want to let you know, in the theme of offering things, uh, which this episode was talking about, Kiara, who is the playwright for the play Miss You Like Hell that we took a student trip to see, in April 2018, we've mentioned that quite a bit on the podcast. Uh, the script has now been made into a book, and they did a cast recording of the musical and put that on CD. So thanks to Kiara very much for sending us copies of this work. We're grateful. And listeners, check these items out. You can order them online or via your local book or music store. You can make a difference, but you have to make some noise. We have to stay together, united, together, we're fighting. This episode will be released on December 3rd, 2018. Keep in mind that you can subscribe to our podcast and have it delivered directly to you via your preferred podcast outlet. Listeners, if you have a moment to spare, we'd be grateful if you'd send some feedback, give us a review on iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's featured writing is from What No One Ever Tells You, Underground Writing's first anthology of student writing. The book is scheduled for release in December 2018. We'll have another episode for you in a couple of weeks. Let us know what you thought of this episode. Email us at info at undergroundwriting.org. Connect with us via our website, undergroundwriting.org. Spread the word about our work by mentioning us on social media. The Underground Writing Podcast is recorded and produced by Alvin Shim and Underground Writing. You can access it via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and other podcast outlets, as well as on our website where we include links of interest connected to items mentioned in each episode. Our current theme music for this podcast is provided by Luis Lopez and the Magnet Leaders Club in the Mount Vernon School District. I'm Alvin Shim. And I'm Matt Malian. Thanks for listening.